Well, good afternoon. This is Kimberly Martin, and you're listening to Real People OC. We are here each and every Thursday afternoon from 4 till 5. And I have to say I quite like being here because every time I'm here, it means I get to bring a new person from Orange County to you. And it's something I really enjoy doing. I love meeting people, especially when I'm out and about. And there's so much to do here in Orange County that... um, I don't know. I love I love the opportunities to find new people. So I thank you for joining us and always appreciate that you do. And I'm excited about today's guest because today's guest came from a listener. And as I've told you each and every week, I would love to hear from you about people you'd love to know more about in your community. So today was really fun to interview um, a lady that a listener said, hey, I think you need to know about this person. And so I was excited. So I will share... Um, With you, we're interviewing Joan S. Smith today, and I was thinking about it, you know, life coaching and business coaching are all the buzz now, and I find it interesting how much a part of our personal and professional lives, this type of really intimate interaction is becoming, and um, it's it's becoming so popular in our culture, and I'll tell you what, I could do a, a life coach every single day on this show if I answered all of the requests, but I thought it would be really interesting to listen to a veteran in this business. So there's so many people that are jumping on the life coaching bandwagon, but today's guest, Joan S. Smith, was, um, sh- like I said, she's been doing coaching long before it was ever called coaching, probably, and um, she founded Leadership Consultants International back in January of 1995, and she has coached over 250,000 people in her career that has spanned over 35 years. I figured with that kind of experience, we'd get to see this through, you know, a different mantle of, you know, the passage of time and why this type of interaction could be important in a person's life. And especially now, and, you know, the uncertainty that our economy and our professional lives have experienced in the last decade, really nice to hone in on some of those skills that that um, that keep us all at work and keep us professionals. So um, Joan will be with us here today in just a second. She holds a master's of arts degree in education from San Diego State University and a bachelor's of arts degree from the University of California at Santa Barbara, woo, UCSB. Um, she attributes her unique coaching style to her own vision of personal growth in which she committed her life to make a difference. She is also a fellow nominee, as I was, in the Women in Business Award there at the Orange County Business Journal Annual Awards Luncheon. That is such a treat and a great honor that um, I certainly appreciate it, and I know Joan has as well. She has worked as a bilingual educator and led seminars for groups with diverse cultural backgrounds, trained organizational staff, and ran a million-dollar business that grew and expanded during a time of adversity. All of this has happened with teamwork and joy, she says. So I'm excited to hear about that because, I don't know, running your own business is tough. <laughs> and if you can come out the back end saying it's it's joyful, that's a pretty good thing. Um, she stands for open and honest communication, integrity as a priority, and making a qualitative difference in the business world. In addition to thoroughly enjoying her work, with, um, she also spends time with nonprofits, Habitat for Humanity, California Head and Injury Foundation and the Catholic Church in the Diocese of Orange and Jones Forward Thinking um, is represented in everything she does. So uh, she claims that extraordinary service, communication, integrity 
are most needed in leadership circles today, and this represents the essence of her work. So, Joan, welcome to Real People OC. Well, thank you. I love being here. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Good. Well, I'm glad you're here. And, um, well, so take us back, because way back when you started to do this work, what made you dive into such a, a profession that would really require such intimacy on your part with the individuals that you were working with? And, and was that popular at the time? Well, I, I believe that um, when I started my company in 1995, no one really knew what a coach was, a business coach. They knew what a football coach was. But um, So it was fun for me because I love people. I love meeting new people. And how I started my business was I went around to different women's networking groups and organizations, and I spoke for 20 or 30 minutes. And I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed meeting new people that way. Prior to uh, starting my own business, I worked for an international training development firm for 16 years. And prior to that, I taught elementary school for four years. So that's my whole adult life, my whole career. Oh, wow. And I, um, I really feel privileged to have been able to work with the people I've worked with and to be introduced to so many incredible professionals. It's been, I just feel enormously blessed. Ah, oh, well, very good. Okay, so were they calling it coaching back then or what did you have to call it? In 1995, there was just the beginning of coaching back then. Yes. So when I, I would say I was a business coach, some people called it a life coach. I have a friend to this day that says that I'm a life coach because I say, well, really, business coach. And he goes, well, I don't want to limit you. So I go, I okay, you know. But uh, I like to focus on business because it makes a profound difference in so many people's lives. And people spend a lot of time at work. So I'm really interested in transformation, that transforming people's lives, whether it's their personal life or their professional life, that's what happens out of the coaching with me. Okay. All right. Very good. So does a person come to you or do you, like, well, you have several different ways they could have found you. You said you had an international speaking firm that you worked with. <clears throat> you were out speaking, public I, speaking? I have done, yes, many speaking engagements. Um, yes, I have international clients. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. All right. And so tell me a little bit about... Well, let's let's start off with the individual that might be thinking, you know, do they need a coach? That's, That's a, good, a great place. Really to start. good question. Yeah, great question. Um, people who want to do something big need a coach. So if what you want to do is you just want to go play tennis over at the local park and hit the ball around, that's fine. You don't really need a coach for that. So, but if what you want to do is win the grand slam, you know, you want to go to Wimbledon, well, then you need a coach. Serena Williams has a coach. You know, professional athletes have coaches. So if you're a professional in the workplace and what you want to do is win the Grand Slam, you want to be the champion, then coaching is a really good thing to have in your life. And um, like currently I'm thinking of a, a client that I have who's the president of a $12 million company. He's obviously successful at what he does or he wouldn't be the president. But he hires me to coach him and even has me come into his company to coach his whole company because he sees a new possibility. When people are working with me, they want to go beyond what's predictable. They want to break through. So I promise people unprecedented breakthrough results. So that's can, an incredible that, thing. That's an incredible thing. How can you promise that? That's kind of risky because... You're dealing with an unknown quantity, and that's an individual's psychology. I mean, they obviously came to you because they have a block, right? Not necessarily. They could. Everybody has obstacles. I mean, I had a client that came to me, and she wanted a new job, 
It's not that she wasn't employed. It wasn't that she wasn't effective in her work, but she wanted a new new job, and she also wanted to lose 30 pounds. And so she, in this particular situation, I was doing one-on-one coaching with her. So did she have obstacles? Yes. Did, did she have blocks? Yes. But I think she was up to something big. So that's the key thing. She was passionate about work, and she wasn't fulfilled in the current job she had. So she got a new job in that six-month contract. She lost 32 pounds, and she started to live her vision. So when I'm working with people, I'm not so interested in the past, you know, what's happened in the past. So we all, I'm, I'm going to be 65 this month. I have 65 years of past. But what I'm interested in is the future, like what's possible for me even though I'm 65. So I can work with someone who's 25 or 45, and if they're up to something big, they want to win the Grand Slam, they want to go to Wimbledon, so to speak, professionally, then I'm the person to coach them because that's what I'm good at. Okay, so you've said twice, up to something big. Does it always have to be something big that somebody wants to do in their life? Is it just easier to have um, help? Or, I mean, give me some ideas well, about Well, if, if what you want to do is be comfortable, you usually don't need a coach. Okay. So, like, again, if you go to the park and you want to hit the ball around, you, you can be comfortable and be fun, too. It'd be great. Like, a lot of times people really, they don't really want, they don't want to be challenged. See, I think I'm the kind of person that wants to maximize something in life. So, like, we all have this vision in life. We all have something that we really want to do in life. We have dreams that we want to have fulfilled. And sometimes we can't get from point A to point B. Either we're confused or we are stopped by something that happened once in our past and so we feel limited. So what I'm about is really going beyond our limitations. And when we think differently and our actions are different, then we start producing extraordinary results. So it doesn't occur as risky for me at all to make that promise. It's just like, because I've been, I've had my business for so long and I've been working with people. I mean, it's, it just it's just a natural thing for me. This is what I love to do. Okay, your business is called Leadership Consultants International, and if somebody wanted to look into what you what types of services you offer, they could go to lcicoaching.com and find out a little bit more about Joan S. Smith. That S is important. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, um, especially here in Irvine, right? Yes. <laughs> so, um, well, I'm curious, why... Why would it be so important for an individual to live their vision? Does everybody need to do this or just some people? Well, I think I think everyone wants to be satisfied. You know, I think, to be really honest, I see a lot of people who have a lot of the things they want in life. They might have the right car, the family or whatever, but they're not really content. They're not really satisfied. So the tools that I give people in the coaching, it's like they open up a toolbox and there's a hammer and a wrench and these different tools they can use. And that's what I give them, not literally like hardware, but there's tools that when people are able to explore them, I'm going to call them distinctions in language. When they get these distinctions, they're more powerful and effective and they are able to produce the kind of results they want. And I think that's what allows for people being really whole and complete and satisfied. That's just really important for me. I want to live my life being happy and satisfied, and I think most people do too. You hear this a lot now. Um, I I mean, I have to say I miss Oprah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She was so good at asking people to live their vision. And I think a lot of people don't even, especially when the struggle to earn a living is so significant right now, 
a lot of people don't take the time to ask what their vision would be. Mm -hmm. And it's really a luxury, if you would say, to ask, take the time to ask yourself what your vision is. Give me some examples of what somebody might want to do um, to live their vision and and why. Because I think it's pretty important that you said earlier, you want to live in a satisfying manner. I think if everybody could live in a satisfying manner, it would be a, a much happier place. And certainly we would get about the business to fix things that were really that were really significantly wrong if we could get ourselves um, deeply satisfied. But why is that so important to the well, human experience? It's so important what you're saying. You know, um, I happen to like Stephen Govey, who wrote a book, First Things First. I know it's an older book, but it's still really so valuable. Joan is holding a tattered copy of this book with... Lots of dog ears and uh, post-its in this book. I love it. Yeah, he talks about this quadrant, you know, where there's things that are important and urgent, and there's important things that are not urgent, and then there's not important things that are urgent and not important things that are not urgent. So oh, there's priceless. four parts, right? So when you just talked about a luxury to look at what your vision is, he probably would put that into not urgent and important. So I don't consider it a luxury, but some people who would come to me might say, wow, your fees are kind of pricey and this is taking time on my part. And I might say, yeah, you are investing in you. Your life is important. Your vision is important. You have this unique contribution to make to humanity. Personally, my life is about service and contribution. That's what I'm all about. So I do go into this quadrant that Stephen Covey brings up where it's really important, but it's not urgent. You know, a lot of the things that we do on our cell phones, they're really urgent, but they're not very important. And some things are really important and really urgent on our cell phones. So we have this technology now with our cell phones that allow us to do a lot of things that are um, sometimes not important and sometimes are. So the whole thing of values clarification and um, planning and empowerment and creating a vision statement that's bold and audacious, yeah, that's really important. Is it urgent? Not really. But is it your contention that we should take our own personal vision and put it into that category of important and urgent? Well, yes, because I'm the coach speaking right now, and I live what I talk I walk my talk, and I can say that I'm a happy, satisfied, almost 65-year-old, and I've been doing this for 40 years. Can you identify for me and the listeners some of the things that you have benefited from by being and living in your vision? Like, what are some of the things that maybe the rest of us don't get to experience on a daily basis that you you get to experience because you're living your passion? Well, I'm going to say one thing that's so important, this whole thing about integrity. When I talk about integrity, I don't mean morality and ethics. What I mean is doing what you say you're going to do. I'm a woman of my word. If I say X, I do X. And we can look at so many places where people are not living as their word. We can look at the corporate situation. We can look at a family situation. So I think integrity is absolutely critical. I am someone that people know Joan has integrity. You can count on it. That's a value for me that's of the utmost importance. Now for someone else, that might not be one of their top values. So one of the first things I do when I'm working with people is I do this values exercise so they're able to distinguish 
what the top three values are. And I'm able to work with those values in inventing a vision statement that they live. So it's about bringing that vision, or another way of saying that is your commitment, or the future that you are committed to and bringing that into the current reality. So how do you bring integrity into the current reality? And you can look at different aspects of your life. I have a client. I did one-on-one coaching with him for eight years. I gave him an integrity checklist at the beginning of this coaching. And one of the things on the checklist said, clean your garage. Okay, that is not like a big deal thing. He looked at it and he went, oh, no. He goes, my wife is going to love this. <laughs> and I said, really? He goes, yeah, you can't even open our garage door. He said, it is so packed. So I said, well, get to it because you have one month to do everything on this integrity checklist. Wow. And he did. Well, his business went from 400000 a year to $4 million a year. That's what I mean by an unprecedented break the results. So you can't do that if your integrity's out. And there's lots of different pockets to look at in one's life to get integrity in. Sort of like flossing your teeth. You know what dentists say about flossing? No. They say, just floss the ones you want to keep. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you know, so, you know, you ask people how often you floss. Oh, I don't floss or oh, I floss two or three times a week. Well, we go to dentist, right, to, have, to tell us, to coach us in how to take care of our teeth. And our teeth are pretty important to us, right? So... That's an integrity issue, flossing. Give me some examples of some other integrity issues. Um, eating well. Mm, that's a big one. Exercising. Both harder and harder to do with busy lives. Yes. So this is where planning comes in. This is that whole thing about the quadrant. You have to block it out. Grocery store, buy the right foods. There's so many of this fast food eating that doesn't work. Why are we doing what doesn't work when we know what to do? See, a lot of times when I'm working with people, they know the right things they do, like eating and exercising, but they don't do them. How come? Well, what I do when I'm working with people is I'm inside of an inquiry. It's not like I have answers and I'm like, know everything. I don't. But I love staying in an inquiry with people about what they're up to. And that's where the big vision comes in. And I'm committed to their vision. I'm probably one of the most committed people you're ever going to meet in your entire life. And that's to me a life worth living, having that kind of passion for people and what they want to create in their life. Very interesting. If you're just tuning in, this is Real People OC, and I am your host, Kimberly Martin. We air each and every Thursdays from 4 to 5, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I have as our guest with us today, Joan S. Smith, And she is here talking about her book, Building Blocks for Breakthrough Results. You can find it on Amazon, Kindle, and uh, well worth reading. And um, we're learning about from a veteran coach, really, you know, way back before the buzzword coaching was used and maybe even perhaps overused. But I find it so interesting now that professionals, I mean, I think maybe you would start out looking for this as a professional and then maybe end up looking at this as life coaching. But so many professionals are moving towards this today. Was this kind of a cry for help in the professional world? Or do you think it was just because of all the uncertain economy or maybe both? Well, back in 1995, you know, uh, things were a little different. One of my very first clients was a songwriter. 
And he knew he wanted to get back into songwriting, into the Hollywood situation and world. And so it was like redirecting him. And he had gotten married and had one child. And, um, you know, he was pretty busy as a a new dad. And uh, one of the things I worked with him on was creating a vision and uh, bringing that vision, as I said earlier, into the current reality. And one of the tips in my book you just mentioned is called write a vision statement and then work on it daily. So he created a vision statement. It's in my book. I'll just share what it is. He called it fun, family, fortune, creativity abounds. Risk is my middle name. Songwriting is my game. He had it rhyme. Okay, that fits so for cute. him. Is that a great or what? So one day he called me up and he said, Joan, I have this problem. I play on this softball league and uh, my wife's not back to take care of the baby. And uh, what do you? I want to be a man of my word and do what I say I'm going to do because you're always talking to me about integrity. What do you suggest I do? I said, well, take your baby with you to the softball game. Leave a note for your wife so she knows where you are and where the baby is. And there will be some woman in the stands there that will take care of your baby while you're playing the game. He goes, John, <laughs> there's no woman in the stands that's going to take care of my baby. I said, well, okay. Like, he's, he already knows how it's going to go, right? This is the whole world of what's predictable. So what I'm a stand for is producing unprecedented breakthrough results, which is the world of what's unpredictable, right? So he goes. He says he calls me up the next that afternoon the next day. And he says, Joan, you're not going to believe this. There was a woman in the stand. She loved babies. She took care of my baby. He said, we won the game. And he said, and then I'm someone on the other team came up to me from a very big company. We won't say the name of the company, but everyone knows the name of it. They make shoes. And uh, he says, they wanted to hire me. I said, you're kidding. It sounds like fun family fortune right there happened. He goes, exactly. <laughs> so that's like an example of how the tip works, you know, and how you bring your vision into reality. See, a lot of times what we're trying to do in life is make life comfortable and to have it fit into what we already know. So when I'm committed to producing an unprecedented breakthrough result, you have to be committed. The client has to be committed to something that they can't imagine happening. Does it take work? Yes. Does it take discipline? Yes. Is it hard sometimes? Yes. This is not like a walk in the garden. So I I do have to say that I always let people know if you want coaching, you got to be willing to step up and do what it takes. But to me, that's fun. And that's how I've been living my life for 40 years. And I, like I said, I just think it's been a total blessing to watch people grow and to see what's happened in my life too. Very interesting. <clears throat> if a person were to consider finding a coach, do they have to prepare themselves? Yes, for, I think so. For that process? Yeah, I think so. They have to interview, you know, di- coaches are a dime a dozen now. You know, it wasn't that way when I started my business 20 years ago, but I think that people should look for someone who um, they click with. You know, someone who they can laugh with, they can cry with, that they can be open with. Um, And I think that's how you sort out the kind of coach you want to have. And, um, you know, I think you go from there. Um, So, but I was thinking more in those terms of being coachable. Oh, uh so let's talk about that and what that means to be uh, coachable. Okay, very good. All of us, you know, 
I guess I love coaching from the standpoint of it's really a lot like daily therapy. <laughs> you know, um, it's it's a little bit more of an interesting process to me than therapy is. I think therapy really focuses on the problems and not on the results. I mean, n- not to minimize at all the importance of therapy in people's lives during some difficult transitions. But but this seems a little bit more proactive, I guess. Oh, very good word. That's exactly what it is. Coaching is very proactive. You know, I think uh, I think when you go to see a therapist, it's more like a reactive situation. You have a situation that's upsetting to you and you want to get something sorted out. But yeah, coaching is very proactive. Um, you have to really want it. And if the coach says jump, you have to be able to say how high, not I don't feel like it, I don't want to. And sometimes that can happen when we are pressing into new territory. So I think that... Um, once again, this has to do with the commitment the client has. So if the client's really committed, then they are going to want to be coached. You know, I mentioned this client who went from 400000 to $4 million a year. He wanted coaching. Now, that didn't happen overnight. I did eight years of one-on-one coaching with him. So, But still, that's an incredible curve in eight years. Sure. Sure. Um, so does somebody have to ready themselves for this process? What what kinds of things would they want to do to prepare themselves for this process? Well, um, I think the first thing is they have to trust. They have to know that they are count-onable to live as their word, that if the coach said, you know, do X, Y, and Z, they would know that they could do that. So they have to trust themselves. They have to trust the coach. That would be one way to ready themselves. The second would be having a commitment they're committed to. Like when I'm working with someone, they have to write down three or four specific things they want coaching in. So we're not just talking about whatever happens to happen today. This is very specific and we're very focused. So if the client doesn't have a commitment, it's really hard to coach them. You know, I've gone into companies before where the vice president brings in their team and they go, Joan's going to work with us for six months. And those people are rolling their eyes going, yeah, yeah, another seminar. Here we go. And then when we start working, they're like, oh, my gosh, they get on board because they start to see how the technology that I use, the methodology I use, empowers them as a team. But there's this, what I say, this already always listening, that's one of the things I work with people on. That's how they listen. That's already there and it's always there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been to 100 seminars. We've done this before. I already know. So a big part of being coachable is being to let go of what you already know. And that's like what's kind of hard sometimes initially when I'm working with someone. So you have to kind of toss aside the ladder that you've been climbing up in corporate America for new possibility to arise and be able to go outside your comfort zone in that. That's a big way to ready yourself for coaching. But I would imagine a lot of people reject those discussions, especially if you're dealing with a big company. You can't reach everyone, can you? Sure you can. This The work that I do reaches into the receptionist. It reaches into the vice president, into the president. That's the nature of this because I'm working with human beings. Again, I, it's not like I have some certain rules to follow. Like if we, if we just talk about integrity, everybody can relate to that. Everyone can say, you know, my integrity's out with my garage, or I'm not doing my workout schedule. Or, I, I did get a gym membership, but I don't use it. Well, these are the kinds of things that you start looking at and asking yourself, well, how committed am I? I got that gym membership for a reason. 
So when I'm working with someone like, for instance, the woman I mentioned that lost 30 pounds, she had a plan when she came in. She showed me what she was going to do. And I said, okay, I am going to use a name. I hope this is okay. But I said, well, we're not going to do what she brought in. We're going to do Weight Watchers. And I said, I want you to bring your scorecard. I call it a scorecard because they weigh in every week. She looked at me like she was a little annoyed because she didn't want to do that because it was too disciplined. I said, you can do, you can eat whatever you want. Just you mean sure. it was because it was too much accountability? That yeah, she thank have? you very much. Accountability, hallelujah. That's a big part of the coaching. You know, you got to put on your shoes. You got to tie them up. You got to have your tennis racket. You got to be ready to roll. And she did Weight Watchers. And I'm telling you, I'm so proud of her because... She completed that one-on-one contract with me six months, and then she participated in a program I do called the Leadership Journey, which is a 10-month program. She lost another 35 pounds in that. She had a lot of weight to lose. She was committed. This is the thing about coaching. If you're not committed, there's no point. Right. You know, you got to be disciplined. You've got to want it. She came to me, and she thought about it for about three months. She, A friend of hers told me about her. You know, I mean, told her about me. And so she she checked me out. She had coffee with me at Panera. You know, she was like kind of curious. She wasn't sure it was going to work. I promise unprecedented breakthrough results I deliver. And she is a perfect example. See, I love talking about my clients because they are what's inspiring to me. I mean, she is the inspiration. Right, right. The guy who did the income, he's an inspiration. <clears throat> right, right. And so is it just that we as human beings can't see this for ourselves and we need somebody to see it for us? Brilliant. That's so brilliant. That's exactly right. That's what the power of inquiry is. It's sort of like we can't see, you know, the fish don't think that they're in a fishbowl with water. They're just swimming around. Well, as human beings, we're in a fishbowl sort of too. We can't see things that we're doing that aren't working. So that's what I bring is this 40 years of experience of being able to work with people so that I can distinguish certain things with them so that they can produce the kind of results they want. Exactly. That's so brilliantly said. <coughs> Gee, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just tuning in, you are listening to 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are KUCI. And we're having a really interesting discussion with Joan S. Smith. She is the author of Building Blocks for Breakthrough Results um, and 52 Hot Tips to Get You Started. So we might want to talk a little bit about those 52 hot tips. But before we get into that, I want to understand the distinction between the role a coach would play and the role a therapist would play. And let's just leave out, you know, extreme, you know, um, mental illness that has to be addressed by a professional and and talk about the differences between delving back into your past to solve problems and looking towards the future. Let's talk a little bit about that. Okay, I think that's a really important thing. Um, I uh, I think that what a therapist provides is um, there's a clearing by them uh, for communication so that if you have an issue that just seems like you just cannot see how to get through it. For instance, I went through a divorce seven and a half years ago, and I went to a therapist, and I went for several years, and uh, I worked through whatever I had to work through, and I think was incredibly valuable. Um, That, I think, is really distinct from what coaching's about. So if I were going to draw some circles here on this piece of paper, Kimberly, I might draw a circle here on the right, and I'm going to label that circle my past. So I had been married for 15 years, and... um, 
I, uh, the, my husband was 14 years younger than me. I got married when I was 43. Woohoo! Way <laughs> to go, Joan. <laughs> 43 is a little late. In, so I had 43 years of past that I brought into. And the second circle next to that, we're going to just call that one the present. So we bring our past into the present. I'm drawing a, a line, an arrow from that circle on the right, the past, into the middle circle, the present. And I think what happens in therapy is you work some things out there. What coaching's about is another circle, the final circle to the left, and we're going to call that the future. So this is what a coach does. A coach stands for their client. They stand for the future, and this is what I do. I don't know about everybody else that coaches, but what I do is I stand in the future. I invent a future. I create a future with my client, and I bring that future into the present. Very, very good. I, I've always wondered, you know, how to draw that distinction, and I love that. Good. Um, so you're really standing in the place of possibility for That's somebody. exactly right. That is the whole thing. You have that just is the whole thing. We could talk about that for another hour, but that's what's so exciting is when you create a possibility with your client, that's how they're able to produce unprecedented breakthrough results. Is it possible, shall I say, to focus on possibilities in the future and not address all the issues in the past? Absolutely. That's what I do. That's what I do for a living. I say there's nothing I can do about that past. It already happened. Yes, we'll take that into account. But that client who went from 400000 to $4 million was not focused on what he did in the past. He had to create something brand new and fresh. And I think that's what's exciting for me in working with people is to find out what is the future that they're committed to creating. Like if you were to just to close your eyes for a few seconds, I hope anybody who's driving doesn't do this. <laughs> but, <Please don't. laughs> but if you just close your eyes and you imagine yourself 10 years from now, you know, as someone who's almost 65, if I look out, what will my life be like when I'm 75? What I still have a future. I might not be doing coaching at age 75, but maybe I'll do radio talk shows or maybe I'll write another book or what will I do? Right, right. You know, I've, I've traveled all over the world and done my coaching. I've been to the Soviet Union before the wall came down. I've been to England, France, Germany, Mexico, Canada. You know, so maybe I'll do something international. I don't know. But when I look at the future and what future I want to bring into the current reality, I'm pretty sure it's going to involve traveling. Now, if I look at my past, that would also indicate that it would be something to do with it. So it's not that you exclude the past. We all have a past. I think that's what's kind of exciting is to create. Like I'm going to go to France in a month, and I'm excited about doing it, and I'm going with a former client. And my relationship with her is as a client. So, But we're now creating this friendship you know, of a new possibility to travel you know, in this foreign country with this purpose that we have. And it's, I think, an exciting way to, to live life. I think it's more powerful than what's doing what's predictable. Ah, oh, very interesting. I just spent uh, 12 days in France this summer, and oh. it was a blast. I mm -hmm. took my son there, who's um, a young chef, and it was really fun to see him open up to French cooking. It was amazing. Oh, nice. So, okay. So I love the diagram you did with therapy and um, coaching. Coaching. Mm -hmm. the, the comparison, I think, is really important because um, 
you probably have to help people know when they need one or the other in your line of work, don't you? Absolutely. And I've had people come to me and say, you know, you know, in the middle of the coaching, whatever, I, I had a client who was in the financial industry and he loves his wife and married 25 years. And he said, I wish my wife would do this coaching. And uh, he started sharing some things about his marriage. And I said, well, you know, I'm not a therapist and I can't help you in that area. I don't have any uh, certificates or degrees on my wall that say that I have my master's in education. I'm a, a coach. I'm a teacher at heart. And uh, he, I recommended a therapist to him, and he got a lot of value out of that therapy. And his wife went with him. And so, you know that. And they're both successful, wonderful, incredible people. It's not like you have to have some big mental big problem, glaring uh, problem. Yeah. Well, so it's probably important to know when it is time to refer to that because I wonder if. Um, with there being so many, now I know life coaches do have to get certifications in some areas to be a life coach, or or now there are some designations for people to get those certifications. But it it could be perceived by some to sidestep a lot of you know the um, the rigors of true work as a social worker or a therapist, where they're delving into people's lives and problems. Do you ever feel um, like you get too close to a client and that maybe you've struck a chord that um, needs deeper professional help? Sure. Yeah, that happens. And I refer them to whomever I think they might need to see. Um, yeah, that can happen. That can yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So being that we're on a college campus, um, I would like to spend a little time talking to the younger uh, the, the younger of our listeners and give them some support about what they can do to work a really um, a healthy strategy at a young age and not wait until they are like my age when they get older and they go, oh, geez, I've, uh, I've hit a wall. Let's do something. How, how can we help them start off right? Well, I think the first thing is to stay true to yourself. Again, this has to do with integrity. Whatever you love, whether you're 20 or 24 or 18, whatever you love, pursue it. If what you love is business, then go for it. If what you love is science and you want to be a doctor, go for it. You know, a lot of times what will happen are certain barriers that come up where you don't have the money or, you know, something or, you know, you just want to just stay true to yourself. This is where integrity is so important. So um, I've coached some of my friends' children and, uh, you know, they were 21 uh, and they are wildly successful. And I talk to them about this. So that's one thing I think is integrity. The other is passion, whatever you're passionate about. So, um, you know, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I loved teaching. And I went into traditional teaching. So that's where I taught elementary school. I think then you start to find out what your calling is and what your passion is as life goes on. It's not like you've figured it all out and then you go do it. Because life evolves. It's just the nature of living. So by the time I was 27, I had my master's degree and I had my administrative services credential so I could go be a principal or a superintendent. But traditional education wasn't the avenue for me. I'm more of your non-traditional kind of gal. So I went into working at this international training development company, and I loved it. And I feel blessed that I got to do that for 16 years, and I worked 80-hour work weeks, and I loved it. So, you know, I think as a young person, don't be afraid to work hard. Don't be afraid to give it your all, like 110%. It, you know, you just won't regret it. It all turns out. 
And that's, you know, sometimes it's contrary to the advice they're being given by family and parents. You know, they're directing them into careers that will pay well because they want that, you know, to secure that next level of safety and security for their child. Um, it's risky, isn't it, to choose your passion sometimes? Yeah, and, and don't sell out. Again, this has to do with integrity. Don't sell out. It's your life. Your parents will point you in a direction which is fabulous because they see you and they've watched you grow up. You know, I have some neighbors who I adore. These are just most fabulous neighbors. They have a 17-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 2-year-old. And I, it, it's, oh um, it's so cute. The 17-year-old was playing hockey at the Honda Center with his team. I went to see him, and I was like, I'm blown away by how athletic he was. I mean, who knows what he's going to do? But I don't think chemistry is his favorite thing, you know? <laughs> right, right. So you steer away from things you don't have a passion for. Yeah. And, you know, our educational system really didn't foster that for a very long time, did it? We um, we tend to say, hey, we're going to brush this broad stroke over education, give you a little bit of everything, but you need to know it. And those are tough, those are tough questions for young people. I think it is. And I, I think the other thing is, again, it's the evolution of this. Like education, I love education. I cannot speak enough about it or highly because it's just phenomenal. I started learning Spanish when I was in fourth grade. Okay, that's a long time ago. Now, by the time, and then I took Spanish throughout, you know, junior high, high school, but I was not very good at it. And it wasn't until I got into college that I had this teacher, and I fell in love with the culture. She talked about Spain, and I thought, someday I'm going to go there. And then I started to speak it. It became more natural to me. By the time I was an elementary school student, uh, elementary school teacher, I was assigned a bilingual classroom, and I went over to Guadalajara, and I lived there for a summer, and I, they didn't speak any English whatsoever, so I had to speak Spanish, and then I became even more fluent. Now, am I resting right now? Absolutely. Don't test me, okay? <laughs> but, see, Spanish is like one of my favorite things, but if you would have said to me when I was 20, is it a passion year? I said, well, I, I like it, but I wouldn't say passionate. Now... Like one of my favorite places to go is Barcelona. I love Barcelona. Interesting. I love it. I yeah. love it. Well, okay. So I'm sitting here thinking about <clears throat> the students listening. And um, what if you don't know what your passion is? You'll find it. You just keep exploring. See, this is the power of inquiry. Uh, uh, the methodology I use is twofold. Inquiry and drawing distinctions in language. So when that's that thing about, you know, how you said... Sometimes you need someone to, it's like being in the water, the fish in the water. You know, you stay in the inquiry. You keep talking to people. You know, you talk to your parents, you talk to your uncle, you talk to your neighbors. You know, you talk to people and you keep exploring what's possible. That's a phenomenal thing. And they have all kinds of little conferences for kids in high school right now and uh, career days. So as a young person, you just keep exploring and keep telling the truth. The truth is absolutely critical. It is so critical. I, I can say that now looking back, you know, as a mature woman, but mm. uh, it, is, it is a tricky one to pick up early on in life for some people, especially if there's family dynamics. Uh, I had a good friend give me some great advice not too long ago, and I was saying I really don't know what direction to head in. I, there's so much I can do, and I, so much I love to do, and I think that is providing me with a really great conundrum. And she said, she said, you know, I know now, she just started law school about two years ago, and 
initially when she went into law school, she said, I didn't, I wanted to be a lawyer because I knew I needed that credential to do some of the things I wanted to do to help with certain humanitarian rights that she wanted to work with. And she said, but now that I'm here, she said, I don't know if I want to actually be a lawyer. She said, but what I did by making one decision was put myself in a position to see a whole bunch of other options that I could do with this law degree that may or may not be law. And so that was something that I found really compelling is that you don't have to know what you want before you sign up for that degree, but it might be worth it just to put that foot in that one direction. Exactly. That is so fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. You know, I got my undergraduate work in combined social sciences. So what's that say? It says that I'm about people and humanity. The emphasis was sociology. So I was all about groups and people. Did I think that by the time I was going to be almost 65 that I'd be sitting here at KUCI talking to you about leadership and coaching and dynamics? No, I would have never even my wildest dreams, but I'm a people person. I'm not an IT person. You know, I can find people to help me with IT, and uh, and I do that. And so we find our resources as we're growing. You know, we, we're not going to know everything. We're not expected to know everything. But do what you love, and all the right resources will be around you. Yeah, and I have a friend who had a similar situation. He got his, uh, he became a dentist. So he went through dental school. Can you imagine and then he did not want to do it. I was it. just going to say, that sounds like a really long, dark tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he became a psychiatrist. He went back to school, got all the degrees, became an MD, psychiatrist. So go figure. You know, you cannot oh, figure priceless. these things out. Oh, well, okay. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Real People OC, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. I'm having a delightful conversation with Joan S. Smith. She is a professional business coach, and we're really delving into that concept. You know, um, there's so much of that right now in, in our community. So I brought to you a veteran, somebody that was doing business coaching long before they were even calling coaching coaching. <laughs> and um, and she's she's brought with her today her book, Building Blocks for Breakthrough Results and 52 Hot Tips. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But tell me a little bit of history about the book. The book's been out for a while, right? Yes. I wrote this book 13 years ago in 2002. And how it got started was the OC Register asked me to write five tips for their column, The Five Tips. So I gave them five tips. A year later, 1997, I believe it was, they said, could you write five more tips? I said, sure. So now I had 10 tips on my computer. And I thought, okay, well... Maybe I should do something with this. You know, and a couple of years would go by, and then I start put some more tips in there. And I'd keep listening to my clients and go, you know, I suggested this to them. And, oh, my gosh, this amazing thing happened in their life. I should put that down as a tip. So before I know it, I have this whole idea called 52 Tips. Like if you worked this book and you really took it on and you were disciplined and rigorous about it and you took on a tip every week, in one year, you'd be blown away by the unpredictable results that would happen in your life. You know, tip number one is make one unreasonable request a day. Now, what is a request? Well, a request is that you ask something of someone by a certain time. So, you know, you could ask a prospective client to meet with you for lunch on a certain day. Or... You just think of anything in your life where you make requests of people. It's not a request of yourself. It's of someone. But what's missing in the workplace is the by when. So when I'm asking people 
to um, take on a project, I'll say, so by when will you do, my middle name is by when. Oh, by, by when, when, as in, by when can this be done? Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. I was thinking more like a make versus buy decision. <laughs> uh-huh. So an unreasonable request, not an easy request, not a simple request, an unreasonable request. That's a phenomenal tip. If you took that on every single day for a week, you'd be blown away by what happened in your life. And it's fun. Now here's the key. Whoever's listening to you, when you make that request, they can accept, decline, or counteroffer. So you'll get, a, you'll get yeses. That's fabulous. Great. You're going to get some noes. You're going to get some counteroffers. Well, I can't do that by Friday, but I can do it by Monday. Terrific. If that's okay. Terrific. So with every request, we have to be listening for what is the answer here. Do you know that sometimes people are like, yeah, sure, let's do lunch. And then lunch never happens. Right. So there's not a lot of commitment going on there. So this particular tip allows for extraordinary commitment to be made by people. Very good one. All right. Um, this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and we're going over some tips in uh, Joan S. Smith's book, Building Blocks for Breakthrough Results. So let's go back to some more tips. I'd love to hear them. Oh, great. Okay. Well, I've already mentioned tip number two when we were talking earlier about writing a vision statement and then working on it daily. Um, but let's let's go to tip number four. Keep your promises. So it's a tough one for people. Why mm -hmm. is that one so difficult? Well, again, I'll bring up integrity because integrity is so important. And, you know, there's this whole phrase I use about, you know, people say talk is cheap. I say no, talk is not cheap. People cheapen talk. Mm. So their promise doesn't mean anything. If I say to you, like, for instance, I love chocolate. Do you know how much I love chocolate? a lot. I can only imagine. <laughs> Most of us <laughs> love chocolate, right? So I made a promise to not have any chocolate for a year. Oh, Joan, that just makes me so sad. <laughs> <laughs> to what end? It, like that can I serve no it, good purpose. It did. I made it for the children of the world. I made a promise for the world. Now, the world wasn't listening to me, but I told my friends about my promise, so they would ask me, how are you doing with your promise about not eating chocolate? And I'd say, not one piece of chocolate has passed these lips. Now we went through Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, birthdays, Easter. You know how much chocolate is on all these occasions? Yes. That's They're built around chocolate. Yes. They're built around. Valentine's Day is chocolate, right? So when you keep your promise with yourself and to others, you're empowered and you strengthen a muscle. You know, if we look at your I arm, love that. you have this bicep and you also have a tricep in your arm. It's a beautiful arm, right? But if you're not exercising both of those muscles, the arm's not going to be very strong. So this business of keeping your promises is exercising one of those muscles. And we forget to do that. We do fall out of practice pretty quickly as human beings, don't we? Mm -hmm. That's why I have a coach. Because mm, they won't let you? That's right. If mm. you have a good coach. Right, right. They're going to be all over it like white on rice. Ah, very good. All right, well, so we have about six or so minutes left. Let's go over some more tips. These are great. Oh, okay, good. Here's t week 16, okay, or tip number 16. You can do these tips any way you want. You can start at number 16. You can start at number four, wherever you want to start. But week 16 says don't gossip. There is so much gossip in the workplace. You know the water cooler? Yes. That's where the real meeting is going on. Right. Everybody walks out of the boardroom 
not having made any big promises, thank you very much, because it would be way too risky. So then they have the little conversation over at the water cooler. Not good. We need to handle this in the workplace. We need to handle it everywhere. It doesn't just look anywhere. You can look at any group situation. People gossip. They're talking about other people. It's very disempowering. And it doesn't produce unprecedented breakthrough results. It kind of takes you in the other direction, doesn't it? Big time. No possibility there. Right. And, you know, I like that we're bringing this up because it's not that it's negative. It's not that no one ever, you know, is so perfect with these tips. But it gives you an opportunity to see how undermining it can be. If what you're committed is to is some new possibility, you're committed to a stand that you're creating something extraordinary in your future, gossip was, wouldn't be there. That would not be okay. And do we forget sometimes? Do we blow it sometimes? Yes. So you have to forgive yourself, forgive others, and move on. Very nice. A few more? Oh, sure. You know, I like this one, 12. Ask people, what's great about your life? Like everybody who's listening right now, wouldn't it be great if you went up to the next 10 people you saw and you said, what's great about your life? See, this optimism would be so fabulous instead of, well, you know, I have this exam or, you know, I got sunburn on the beach and there's all this negativity. But what's really great about your life? You can think of all kinds of things. You know, I've done this as I've traveled with people. One time I was traveling in Canada, and so we had a long car ride between point A and point B. So my friend and I, we just asked each other that question for about three hours, and we couldn't repeat. So we had to be generating conversations about what was great about life. It can be, I'm breathing. (laughs) That's always a good one. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. You know, I have electricity. I mean, there's people who don't. Right. There's people in a hospital right now who's struggling with breathing. Right. Good good to have some gratitude, right? Oh, big time, uh-huh. Another tip? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Let's see here. Give away to charity anything you haven't used in one year. Ah. Tip 40. God, I'd have a tough time with that one. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that we have that are in our closet or in our garage, and it's really time to pass it around and move on, you know, and uh, to be generous. I think that's a really important quality that one would want to have in their life. And there's tons of charitable organizations that would be happy to pick up your stuff if you can't deliver it or, you know, that's a fabulous tip to use. Very good. Very good. I think we have time for uh, two more. Oh, okay, great. Let's see here. Um, Number 52. We'll take that one. Stop procrastinating. So there's things I'm sure that people have heard right now in our talk together where they might have written something down for themselves and I'm going to do that when I leave, you know, whatever, wherever they are right now. You know, to not procrastinate. Whatever you were thinking about doing today, do it. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. Take it on right now. Whatever it is that you're thinking about, you might have an idea that you got from this radio show today. Don't procrastinate. You know, Sometimes that's the last tip in this book because you know how people pick up books and they flip to the back and they go, oh, see, I want people to jump in. I want them to just like go for it in life. Very cool. So the book is laid out so that there's tips for each week. Mm -hmm. And that's how somebody works through the 
works through the book. Yes, uh huh, exactly. You take on a tip each week. You work on it, work on it, work it all week. Then take on a new tip. Work on it, work on it. You can go back and review tips. Now that right there is growing a really important muscle, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Well, we're drawing down on our time with uh, Joan S. Smith, and um, she is the author of Building Blocks for Breakthrough Results. And I'd love to know, you know, in in reflection of you know today's interview, what's probably the most important takeaway that somebody could have from this interview today? Well, I think the most important thing is to be true to your vision. Whatever your vision is that you're committed to, um, be true to that vision. Joan S. Smith, it's been a pleasure having you here on Real People OC, and I thank you so much. And in particular, I thank you for the gentleman that uh, that referred you to our show. He's a listener, Jim. Jim, out there, thank you, Jim. Hi, Jim. Thank and, you very uh, much. Thank Kimberly. you so much for being here. I loved it. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. <laughs>